It is so good to see everybody this morning. I hope everybody's having a, a really good week, uh, just or had a good week and had a good weekend now. Uh, so, but uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to John chapter 11. Uh, so we've taken a break from, at least at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings, we've taken a break from our uh, series, Questions That Jesus Asked. We got to question number 7, and so we've taken a couple weeks off. We are going to get back to that next week. We will be at question number 8 next week, and we're just going to continue on until we finish. I think now we'll probably be finished the November 14th, and so uh, we do have one more guest speaker after today. Uh, the guest speaker will be coming, uh, it's a mystery guest speaker uh, that will be here on November 7th. Uh, he'll be speaking at 1030, and then, uh, um, uh, then but I'll still be preaching on, on November 8th. So but we're going to continue with the questions that Jesus asked, but we've been taking a, a break from that because we've been looking at the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. And last week we said the point of this story really is to show us what to do when Jesus stays where he's at. And that's what the Bible says, that Jesus stayed where he was for two days. And what do we do in life when, when we're praying and, and nothing's happening or we're praying and we're not getting the answer we want? Jesus stays where he is. What do we do? Well, we saw, saw that last week. We talked about that last week. But there's a second reason for this passage and that, the second reason for this passage is to really show us uh, what to do uh, when we have setbacks, uh, how, to, how to come back from the setbacks. And we love a great comeback story, don't we? I mean, we love uh, to hear about the comebacks that take place. And generally, when we think of comebacks, we think of sports. Uh, we think of uh, great comebacks that have happened in sports history. Uh, you know, when I think of comebacks, I think of 1998. Uh, University of Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, they came back from 34 down to Louisiana State uh, that season, but also in the tournament, uh, they came back and beat Duke on their way to the championship. You know, that's a great comeback, but I love inspirational stories of comeback as well. And the inspirational stories of comeback, and in, in actually not too long ago, a few years ago, there was the University of Houston, their Bauer College of Business uh, released seven success stories of people that have come back. And you may not agree with their politics, uh, you may not agree with all their opinions, uh, but I love these success stories of people that have come back. And the first one they had on their list uh, was a lady who worked as a teacher at night, and she got so tired that sometimes she'd go to the diner and she'd get some coffee just to keep herself awake, and she would jot down notes uh, to herself of a book series that she wanted to start. And actually, she tried to submit this series 12 times and was rejected. Finally, somebody published it, but they really didn't think it would go very far. Well, today, after she sold 400, over 450 million books worldwide, I think it's safe to say that J.K. Rowling came back uh, with their Harry Potter series. <laughs> you know, uh, there was another lady by the name of Ariana Huffington, uh, who 36 times had a book idea that was rejected uh, by people. They just didn't think she had it in her. So she decided to start an on online magazine uh, publishing idea. And it was kind of tongue-in-cheek. Her family and friends didn't think this would go anywhere. And in 2011, uh, for $315 million, she sold the Huffington Post uh, to, the, uh, to the biggest seller, you know, and another person who came online. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, uh, the business travel data, Traffle data, T-R-A-F-O-D-A-T-A, -A, traffle data. Don't feel bad if you've never heard of it because it flopped. It was kind of a traffic analysis idea that somebody had for a company. Maybe you remember this one instead, 
Microsoft. <laughs> because the same person who did both of those companies is the same person. It's, it's uh, Bill Gates. You know, Bill Gates didn't have a lot of luck with travel data, but he did have some luck uh, with Microsoft. And I think in, 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 uh, in high school, there was a high school sophomore who was 5'11", and he was so excited one day because they were going to publish the list of all the people who had made the varsity team, and he ran to the locker room wanting, hoping to see his name on the list, and he didn't make the team. He was not on the varsity team because he was not tall enough. And I think it's safe to say that Michael Jordan came back in a huge way. As a matter of fact, Michael Jordan would once write this. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. I have failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. He talked about, you know, I came back uh, from these setbacks that I've had in my life. And so that brings us to the Bible story. In the Bible story, we saw the setting from last week. It's in a little town called Bethany. And in this town, there's a sis two sisters, Martha and Mary, who have a brother, and their brother gets very sick. And so they do the thing, that, the logical thing at the time. They, who the Bible says, in just a little while, we're going to see that the Bible makes a note here in verse two of saying, or verse 18 of saying that Bethany is only two miles from Jerusalem. Two miles, that's, that's a half hour, that's a 45-minute walk, easily, you know, that Jesus could have made it. He's two miles from them. They send word, Jesus, will you come and heal our brother? And so they wait expectantly for Jesus to come, and he doesn't make it. And Jesus doesn't come. As a matter of fact, he comes four days after Lazarus had died. So this is a huge setback for them. And I want us to see how, what the key is to a comeback from this story of Mary and Martha. And begin with verse 17, it says, When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Mary, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who believes and lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this time. I thank you for this opportunity we have to be here today and to, uh, to open up your word and to hear from you. And God, I just pray that God, you'll lead us and guide us today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let us join together in song. Beautiful song. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> well, if I can. <laughs> um, worthy of worship, worthy of praise. Let's stand as we sing all three stanzas. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. 
The only announcements I have today are I just want to make sure that you're aware of tonight. We have choir practice at 5 o'clock. And I also want to plug that uh, Mayberry Bible study. <laughs> you know, that, uh, that really took me by surprise last week. And not su- by surprise so much for who's teaching. I knew he would do a great job. Uh, Steve Shake is teaching it. But just the discussion and the content in it was awesome. It was just uh, we meet in here in the, in the classroom over here. Uh, so if you can make it, uh, it, is, it, is, it is great. It's really good discussion. It's 5 o'clock, uh, 5 o'clock every, um, every Sunday night. So, uh, so that'll be tonight. And then Wednesday at 545, uh, before we have our Bible study, uh, I want to let you know that uh, we will be meeting one last time to talk about Trunk or Treat coming up next week. Uh, next week from 5 to 7, uh, we're going to have our Trunk or Treat outside. So that meeting, that planning meeting, will be at 545 this Wednesday. And then after the planning meeting at 6.30, we start a new study in which we're talking about the, uh, the post-pandemic church. Uh, really, where does the church go from here uh, after, we've, uh, after we've gone through these past couple years? And so, uh, so we'll be looking at that on Wednesday nights as well. So it should be good. So thank you, John. Let's, uh, let's go on to our next song, Standing on the Promises. So we're going to stand up? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. First, second, and fifth stanza. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior.
So this morning, if we keep our Bibles open to John chapter 11, beginning with verse 17. Uh, John chapter 11, beginning with verse 17, because there are four stages here that will lead to a comeback despite the setbacks that we have. Because in this message, I really want to concentrate on the interaction that Jesus had with Martha. Because in this interaction, we see the setback that Martha was experiencing. And, and we all have, we may be in the middle of a setback right now, to be honest with you. Uh, we can expect, experience health setbacks. We can experience financial setbacks. We can experience relationship setbacks. I mean, there are times in our life when we have setbacks. So what is the key? What do we need to do in order to come back from these setbacks that we experience? Well, the first thing that we see here in the Bible as we look at it is we need to meet Jesus at our lowest. Meet Jesus at the lowest. Look with me at verse 20. Verse 20 says, As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Now, the, this language in this verse actually says that uh, before Jesus was even in town, uh, Jesus was still traveling to this to to Bethany. Before he'd ever gotten to the to the city limits, before he'd ever got there, Martha went out to meet him. Now, this is significant because the Bible tells us that Mary stayed seated at home, which was the right thing according to the custom to do. According to Jewish custom, if you lost somebody, if somebody you loved passed away, you were supposed to stay at home in the house for seven days in mourning. But at this stage, Martha didn't care anything about that. She wanted to go meet Jesus because at this point, she is at her lowest point. And this goes against the grain, I think, of what is our, what we're prone to do naturally. I don't know about you, but personally, when I'm experiencing a setback, there's a lot of times that we don't want to get, be near God. We don't want to come to church. We don't want to have anything to do with that. We'd just really rather just sit home and think to ourselves about how bad things are. But that is the absolute worst thing that we want to do. When we're going through a setback, we want to go meet Jesus in the time of where we are uh, I was having a conversation not too long ago with somebody, and, and you've heard me say this before. Here's the thing I've come to find personally about myself, that nothing goes right in my life if my fellowship with God is not right. If my relationship with God is not right, things just don't come together. Oh, I may be able to go through my daily routine. I may be able to go through the day-to-day -day operations, but nothing is clicking. Nothing is connecting if my relationship with God isn't right. And, and so we need to concentrate on that. And what do we need to do in order to get our relationship with God right? Well, we need to go meet Jesus where he is. That means in times of prayer. That means in reading his word. That means in coming to church. Christians come to church. It's either here in person or online, but we need to stay connected to a church. And I've had people say, and I've heard people say this before, maybe you've even felt this way before, you know what? Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, but you know what? It puts you in the room to experience Him. When we come to church, we are in the atmosphere. We are in the environment to experience Him. That is why it is important to come and meet Jesus where He is. No, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, but this is what I know. The best baseball game I ever went to, I'll never forget, was a July night. I don't remember the date, but I remember the, the Cleveland Guardians. 
which used to be known as the Cleveland Indians. The Cleveland Guardians were playing the Baltimore Orioles at Progressive Field in Cleveland, and they were down eight runs in the bottom of the seventh inning. Over the next inning, they started coming back. In the bottom of the ninth inning, they tied the game. They have a tie game. They go to extra innings. In the bottom of the 11th inning, Albert Bell, I'll never forget him, Albert Bell came up to the plate and hit a home run to end the game, and the Guardians won. <laughs> that was one of the most exciting games I've ever seen in my life, and guess what? I would have missed it if I hadn't have been there. And that is why, if we're going to have a comeback in our lives, we need to meet Jesus at our lowest point. We need to meet Jesus where he is. The second thing that we see here in this passage is this. We need to admit our disappointment. Verse 21 says, Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Notice they, she dispenses with the niceties. She dispenses with the formalities. She doesn't say, boy, Jesus, I wish you could have seen that funeral. The pastor did such a great job. I wish you could have been there to heard what he said about Lazarus. Jesus, do you want some of this food? Because there's a lot of food here. Jesus, you're looking good. Have you put on a little weight? You know, nothing. She didn't make any comments like that. She gets right to the point of how she feels in her heart. And she says, if you you would have been here he wouldn't have died for crying out loud Jesus you were two miles away that's a 45 minute walk you could have gotten up at sunrise and made it back before dinner time she just told him what was on his heart again from personal experience I've come to find that it's much better just to be open and honest with God in our feelings and our emotions I mean he knows what we're thinking anyway he knows what's on our heart and here's what I've discovered whenever I'm open and honest with God God takes my emotions that may not always be correct but he takes my emotions and he reconciles that with the truth of who he is that's what God does when I'm open and honest with him he takes my emotions and reconciles it with the truth of who he is so the second thing that we need to do is we need to admit our disappointment uh, the third thing that we need to do in verse 25 we need to see Jesus as well Jesus you know that's what she did she saw Jesus as Jesus because Jesus asked her he told her he said don't you believe that your brother is going to rise again and she gave a Sunday school answer if we look back in what she said this is what she said well yeah I know he's going to rise one day one day when everybody rises from the dead and goes to heaven he's going to do that right you know I believe that that's going to happen and Jesus said this I am the resurrection and the life i am the resurrection and the life you know i think about all the religious teachings that are out there today there are people who say you know what if you'll just follow me if you'll just listen to my words i will show you the door and jesus says i am the door if you'll just follow what we're doing we'll show you the truth and jesus says i am the truth if you'll just do what i'll do i'll give you the best life now and jesus says uh, that's no reference to anybody by the way uh, but i am <laughs> okay thank you john uh, i am the life i am the life is what jesus says i am the way that we need to understand really in times like these when we're having setback we really need to know who's in control yeah, i heard about an airplane that was coming in for a landing and when this airplane landed it landed hard and the first officer turned to the captain and said good grief that's the hardest landing you've ever done 
And the captain said, what do you mean? I thought you were landing the plane. <laughs> you know, it really helps to know that when people are flying that plane, who's really in control of the plane? And it really helps us. Thank you, guys. It came a little late, but it came. <laughs> so it really helps us in our life to know who's in control of our life. It helps us to know and see Jesus as well. Jesus, you know, this is who he is. I think of Corey Ten Boom years ago. Corey Ten Boom says, There is no panic in heaven, there's only plans. There is no panic in heaven, there's only plans. And Jesus is in control. That is a key to coming back and to knowing come back. But there's the last thing that we see here in his word, and that's verse 27. After Martha has this conversation with Jesus, she says, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. I believe. And the last thing that we need to do is believe. If we're going to come back from the setbacks in our life, we need to believe. If we look forward in this passage, here's what we're going to see happens. Martha now has come to the point that she believes. Jesus encounters Mary. Mary says the same thing. If you would have only been here, Jesus, he would have lived. Then Jesus talks with her as they're on their way to the tomb. People are mocking Jesus, said, man, you can heal people from their blindness, but you can't even heal your, the friend that you love from his sickness. You can't even keep him from dying. And the Bible says Jesus wept. And, and, I, and a lot of people look at that and say Jesus wept because he loved Lazarus. And I believe that was true. The Bible says that's true. But I believe more than anything else, Jesus wept because he was heartbroken again that people still didn't see him for who he was and who he is. And as he's going to the tomb, people are mocking him. He gets to the tomb and he says these words, Lazarus, come out. Because if he hadn't said Lazarus, everybody in that graveyard would have come out at that moment. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out, and it's kind of comical. It's kind of Halloweenish uh, because he's got all these grave clothes on. He's walking out. You know, he takes all these cloths off, and he shows his face, and he looks at Mary and Martha, and in the faces of two ladies who were crying and in sorrow before, now there's great joy because now they've come back from the greatest setback in their life because that's what happens when we know and experience Jesus and believe. And we need to have more stories like this, guys. We need to have more stories where we're encountering Jesus and we believe and he does something that only Jesus can do. I want to tell you this past week, Kenny Fisher called me. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. I should have asked you beforehand. (laughs) But Kenny Fisher called me on the phone and he said, hey, you want to ride on a combine? And I said, boy, do I ever. (laughs) I said, yes. And I had the staff meeting, but he said, just call me when you get out to this area. I'll let you know where I'm at. And boy, I just, I was so thrilled. I just didn't want to say anything kind of too touristy. You know, like, you know, I wanted to make it like I knew what I was talking about when we were on that combine. And, and so when I first got in the combine, I said, boy, these things get awful dirty, don't they? I said, oh, come on, come on. <laughs> you, know, you gotta do better than that. <laughs> you know? But I, I was just, I was just so intrigued by this. I just love the farmer. You know, I love the farming. And, uh, and I got up there and Kenny t- turned to me one time and he was just, you know, I wasn't saying anything. I was just watching the whole thing take place. And Kenny said, it's kind of mesmerizing, isn't it? I said, yes, it is. It's just, you just kind of watch it. I was so taken by the fact that here is a job where you can actually see 
the, the fruits of your work. You, know? <laughs> you can actually see success right here in front of you. And after we got finished with all the combining, I didn't, I didn't stay too long, uh, but we did about four or five rounds. And then I jumped down the field, and Oren is there. And you know Oren, and you know Diane. And just like everybody, man, we've had some hard years, and Oren's really had a tough year. And Oren was telling me all the things that's been going on this year. And one of the things Oren said was this. Oren said, you know what? And we got my mama. My mama has no place to live. And, and we've been wanting to get this house for her, Eddie. And, and we can't get the house delivered. You know, it can't come. And they've been promising and promising. And, and this week they say they're going to get it here. But if they don't get it here by Wednesday, it's supposed to rain. And it's never going to get across this field if it rains. He said, I, I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, Oren, you know what I'd like to do right now? This is Monday afternoon. I said, Oren, I'd like to pray. I said, we're going to believe that Jesus is going to do something here <laughs> only Jesus could do. And Oren said, yeah, let's pray. And so we prayed, and, uh, and at the end, Oren's wiping his eyes, and, and uh, I hugged Oren. I said, Oren, it's so good to see you. And, uh, and, and I left, and, and Oren texted me Tuesday afternoon. He said, guess what's coming across the field? <laughs> and I said, a trailer? He said, yes, it is. I said, Oren, God is good. He said, God is great. <laughs> you know, and that is a story where Oren was able to see and believe this is what happens when we believe. This is what happens when we pray. And we need to make sure that we nurture more stories like that. We need to make sure we pray with that heart that we are believing. In 1969, I'll close with this. In 1969, a lady by the name of Gloria, I shared this a couple weeks ago, a song that she had done. A lady by the name of Gloria uh, was in a tight spot. She was in a very difficult spot. She was a Christian who believed that God was going to do everything. But in the world that she lived in, it was upside down. It was chaotic. The whole world seemed to be coming apart. There were wars all around. The culture uh, was in the middle of what is known as God is dead. And, and everybody in America believed that our country will not be coming back. Uh, the younger generation looked at the older generation and said, it's your fault. The older generation looked at the younger generation. The older generation looked at the younger generation and said, man, this country is going nowhere because of you. And so this was all going on, not to mention the fact that personally, Gloria and her husband were experiencing a lot of scandal at the church. There were a lot of things being said about them. She was just heartbroken and everything was going in. Her husband came down with mono. She's pregnant. And she's thinking to herself, what kind of person brings a child into a world like this? She said, I can't bring my child into this world. What am I going to do? So in that honest conversation that she had with God, she began to write and began to sense that God was leading her to write these words down. And these are the words that she wrote. God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. How sweet to hold a newborn baby, thinking about this child that she's got that's coming, and feel the pride and joy he gives, but greater still the calm assurance this child can face in certain days because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living because he lives.
I shared with you Wednesday night that I really had in my heart here lately. I've just been overwhelmed at the thought that Jesus would die for me, that Jesus would die on a cross, that he would stay there on that cross for me and for you. But I'm here to tell you today that we don't have hope for a comeback in our life because Jesus died on a cross. We have hope because he lives. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you so much today for your word. We thank you for this opportunity we have, again, to, to open it up, Father, and to see, God, that uh, God, we, we, we know what setbacks look like. I don't have to describe them, Father, because we know it. God, maybe we're even experiencing one right now, uh, Father. But God, I pray more than anything else, we can know, Father, what a comeback involves. God, I pray during this time, during this moment, Father, that maybe we'll come and, and pray, Father. We want that comeback. We want, we want to come back. We want to experience you. We want to be in the, in the arena, Father, where, where it happens. Uh, God, I just pray right now, Father, wherever we are, uh, God, because you live, Father, we can know, uh, God, that we can, we can see you in a way that we've never seen you before. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.